Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through your fellowship profile on the Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message. If you would have told me that being a pastor would require thousands upon thousands of hours of study, thousands upon thousands of hours of research, I would have told you I'm all in because I love that. I love researching. I love studying God's Word. If there's something that I don't know, I want to be able to go after it with the best resources and find out accurate information and put it all together and to be able to understand it. I love that. But if you would have told me that being a pastor meant it would be thousands and thousands of hours of listening, of listening to people's stories, of listening to people talk, I would have told you you had the wrong guy because I wasn't very good at that. Now, it's not that I didn't want to be good at it. The truth of the matter is my mind wanders, my eyes glaze over, and I think it's simply because I'm a guy. I just wasn't a good listener. And the thought of listening to people for over the years, many, 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 many hours of conversation, I really wouldn't have thought I'd been good at it. And I wasn't. Until I went to a Bible conference when I was in my young 20s. There was a group of us that were there uh, listening to different pastors that were talking, teaching God's Word. And um, we were excited about the fact most of these men are 40, 50, in their 60s, and they've been doing it a while, and they were there to not just speak and teach God's Word, but they were also there to mentor us as younger pastors. After the meeting was over, we were in a lobby, and I was walking up to a couple of them and talking to them and just, just uh, making a, a conversation, and it didn't take me long to realize that some of these guys had been pastoring for a while, they weren't good listeners at all. They didn't make eye contact. Most of them tried to look around me. They, they wasn't easy for them to look over me at six foot four, but they were looking around me. Their eyes were glazing over, and, and I was just trying to be kind, just trying to be gracious, and just trying to glean some information from them. But I remember leaving there feeling like, man, I wasn't hurt. Not at all. They were really looking around to see who else was in the room, somebody else they could network with. And I remember feeling what I felt that day as if I was insignificant. They made me feel that way for one reason, they didn't listen. Well, I decided that it was going to be something that I would be trained at, something that I would be good at, that I, I wanted to be a better listener. I wanted to be somebody, when somebody walked up to me and told me a prayer request, that I would remember what it is they wanted me to pray about, that I would recall that loved one's name during that prayer and not have to ask him again, now what was that person, that I would be able to... Uh, 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 take that memory home of that, what that person said. I'd make eye contact, make them feel like they were the most important person in the room at that moment, which they were, and that I would be good at listening. Well, for the last, not just week or not just month, or, but for the last 43 years, I've been listening, and I've tried to be good at it. Well, let's go back to the last week and the last month. I'm listening. 
I'm listening to some pastor friends of mine that have been talking with members in their church and, and folks that they have in other cities and other states, and listening to, to what they said that their people are saying and what they're concerned about and where they're coming from and what their worries and anxieties are. And then I've been listening to you, people right here in Grand Junction that go to our church and outside of our church, and what you're worried about, what your anxieties are, the things that you are feeling, the answers or the questions that you want answers to. And I haven't given too many answers to the people that have been talking. I've just been listening because I feel that's what they've needed. And there's been like this 60-40 split, and let me explain to you what I mean. When it comes to where we're at right now, when it comes to what we're going through as, a, in a, as family members and in our community and really, really in our country, uh, there are older people that, that say things like this, we need to, to stay in longer. We don't need to get out too soon, reopen the economy, open up businesses, start gathering together again, and quickly undo that which we have accomplished these last few weeks, this last month. By, by opening things up too quickly. And then I hear somebody else say this, a woman that's in her 50s, wanting just to go and buy a bag of soil or seeds and feeling judged because she got outside of her house. And she'll tell the story of how she's struggling with depression. She's had thoughts of suicide for years. And maybe planning something and just watching it grow into something beautiful during a time in her perceived darkness is essential to her, she's saying. And then a man in his 40s walking into Home Depot to buy some items, and maybe it's paintbrushes or maybe it's a can of paint. Because in his words, he will say that his idle hands in the past has caused him to relapse and pick up a case of beer or a couple of bottles of hard liquor. And it's something to keep his mind busy, he'll say, while feeling a sense of accomplishment and trying to avoid those past painful triggers. Now again, I'm just listening. And then a young couple, a guy in his 20s, maybe early 30s, and he's trying to make a living for his wife, his family. He's got things happening, and his life's going really well. At least it was. He's got three small children, and they're looking for dad to be able to do the things that dad's always done for them and always done for the family. And he's loved by his friends, his family, and, and they'll advise him during this time, and this is what I'm hearing. You need to stay home. You need to keep your wife home, your kids home. You don't need to get them out right now. Just, just stay home. And this person expresses, this, 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 this man, this father, this husband, I wonder what my loved ones and my older friends and older family members would think or say if their assets were frozen. They were unable to get into their savings account, unable to get into their checking account. A month, month and a week ago, all they had uh, as far as money was concerned was what she had in her purse and what he had in his wallet. And it was expected to last. And on top of that, no more monthly checks. Regardless of your age, Social Security checks had stopped. I wonder if then, without any resources coming in, with all assets and savings accounts being frozen, I wonder then if they might want me to get back out into the workforce to take a risk, not just to be able to take care of my family, but to be able to take care of theirs. And then this man will say this, and also I wonder if there'd be anyone that would mind coming by our house tonight, 
around dinner time and explain to my five-year-old daughter why she can't have a glass of milk because her mom and her dad's work is deemed to be non-essential. Is it non-essential? Is it non-essential to her? Is it non-essential to us? Well, again, don't get mad at me. I've just been listening. That's all I've been doing until now. Because now what I want to do is answer the two questions that have been repeated again and again uh, around your neighborhood, around your house, uh, here uh, back and forth with us. And the first question is this, will this be our new normal? With all this mask wearing stuff, all this physical distancing, will it last? And the second and more important question, will I recover that which I am losing or that I've already lost? Let's deal with the first one. Will this be protractive? Will it be drawn out? Will it be ongoing? Where there are no longer gatherings that will take place, where people can't come together in crowds? Well, if you're a child of God and you've been paying any attention whatsoever, you know that the Lord is coming back soon. And we don't exactly know when that is going to be, but we believe as God's children that he can come back at any time. And before the seven years of tribulation, the Bible teaches us that there's going to be a great catching away. Jesus talked about it to his disciples in John chapter 14, where he said the night, where the night before he died, the night before he went on the cross, he was reassuring his children by saying these words, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again, that where I am, there ye may be also. And so all these things that we are seeing happen are a buildup to that time when Jesus is going to come back for his church, for his children, prior to the seven years tribulation. Now, you say, does that mean that what we are going through is a clear sign that Jesus could come back during it? Well, maybe, but again, maybe not. We see in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, the Bible says this, but of that day and of that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Notice this, as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And then in verse 38, the Bible says, For as in those days before the flood, now watch what happens, because we're talking about it has to look the same, There was eating going on, and there was drinking. Look here. There was marrying, and there was giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So this tells us that life is pretty much normal when this happens. It was normal back then. Uh, Right before the Lord's return, it speaks of a crowd gathering again. Uh, Weddings and giving in marriage. There's no physical distancing that I I pull out of this, but everything just going along as life is normal, and, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. In other words, there was a complacency about the whole thing about to happen. So also will the, the coming of the Son of Man be. So doing life is normal, pretty much normal, and I'm not sure that 
for us as Christians, going back to the normal we had prior to this virus is necessarily what God wants. But there will be gatherings again. There will be, no, I don't think there's going to be people wearing masks. I don't think people are, and I think the, the talk of a virus will be something that's just in the past. But, and I think that, that that going back to normal is pretty much a good and a bad thing. Because we know throughout history that any time that our, uh, our world goes through a crisis, that we go through a crisis, that there's one of two reactions by people. Number one, the first one is, we're going to get close to God. We're going to ask questions. We're going to uh, uh, see what he had to say in his word. We're going to talk to him about everything. We're going to pray about everything. We're going to look for him to give us the answers that we need uh, during difficult times. And then there are others who... They don't get close to God. They try to box with God. They try to blame Him, say this is all your fault. If you were there, why don't you care and all that kind of stuff. I would not suggest to you that you do the latter because you're never going to win boxing with God. But getting close to Him, oh man, that's a wonderful thing. Well, this scripture tells us that this social distancing thing and this virus thing is probably most likely just for a season. And people are going to go back to their normal lives and even that normal complacency of just forgetting about and not thinking about God. All right, so things will get back to a certain form of normal. This isn't going to last. It is just a season. Second question, and probably more important to you, will I recover? Here's the simple answer. This virus has not caused God to change his mind concerning you. Let me say it again. The virus has not caused your God to change his mind concerning you. And you might be thinking, well, look, I'm losing stuff. Things are falling away. I'm not going to be able to recover that. And, and, and who is responsible for that? Well, doesn't that kind of sound like the MO of our, of our enemy, the mode of operation of the devil? Didn't God himself self-say that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy? So who could be doing these things? Is it not the enemy that's behind this? God hadn't changed the fact that he said he came that you might have a life and live it to the abundance. He wants you to be filled with joy. He wants you to be filled with happiness, live the best life you can live while you're here. So the challenge is not that God has changed his mind. The challenge is that we hang on to our faith in God while these things are happening around us. And not just to have faith in God, but to keep our faith in God. Simon Peter, a popular story in the New Testament, told two or three different times in the, in the Bible. Um, uh, it's a story of Simon Peter being in a boat. Jesus walking on the water towards Simon Peter. And Simon Peter getting out of the boat and trying it himself. Well, what he was trying to do was, was have faith in God, and then when he got outside of the boat, to hang on to his faith in God. Because Simon Peter had faith when he was in the boat, but he lost it when he was in the water. You see, many times our faith is like a float, and if you're not careful, it will float away from you. And you've got to pull it back in, and you've got to hang on to it. So how do we do that? I believe that God wants to return to you everything the enemy has taken. I believe that you can recover. I believe that regardless of how many doors you've been able to push open in the past, God could open one door and change your life and your family's life forever. But I do believe that it's partially up to you and it is partially up to God. How, there are some things that you absolutely have to know during this period of time, during this season, 
in this life. And the first thing you have to know is who God is. You have to know who God is. Now, before you check that out and say, okay, I got that. I have to know who God is. Check mark. Now give me number two. Before you do that, let me explain. You need to know not just his name, God. You need to know his title. Simon Peter said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 28, he called him Lord. Notice that Simon Peter did not call him by his name, Jesus. He called him by his title, Lord. He said, Lord, if it's you. Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Because titles reveal what he is committed to be and what he is committed to do in our lives. He's not just God. He's God our provider. He's not just Jesus. He's Jesus our protector. He's not just God. He's God our healer. He's God our sustainer. He is God Emmanuel, God with us. He will never leave us. He will never uh, uh, forsake us. And nothing about this virus has caused God to say, "Uh uh-oh, I'm out of here now. No, he's right in the middle of this situation with you and I as his children. When Peter calls him Lord, he's suggesting that I know who you are. You're the one that when you speak, the wind and the waves have to cease. You are the one that when you speak, uh, it means that even though there is a law of gravity that is our reality, you committed yourself to suspend that law of gravity for a season to allow me to do what could not be done until you and only you do what only you can do. Because you're the Lord. You're God. You can do and change everything. And if it means you have to suspend the law of gravity for me to walk on water, then the law of gravity is about to be suspended. Because you're God. You're my Father. You're my provider. And if you say it, I know who you are. You can do all things. And that leads me to the second thing. Not only knowing who God is and really knowing who he is, but also knowing what he said. Peter did not take action until he had heard what God said. He, and this is what the Lord said. The Lord said, come. Come, he said, Matthew 14. Then Peter got down out of the boat. Peter had faith to make a move because he heard what God said to do. And that was enough for him. And at some point, he did not need any more news. At some point, he didn't need to see any more models. He didn't need to see any more graphs. He didn't need any more data, and he didn't need any more statistics. At that particular point, he needed to know one thing. What is it that you will tell me to do? And that is exactly what I will do, regardless of the rhetoric that everyone else is sharing. You have to know what God says. And you have to know when he said it, he's not making it up. He's not guessing. He's not thinking to himself, is this decision going to work or it won't work? This is an important decision. No, he knows. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, God is not human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Watch this. God is saying, I said that I will supply all your needs. I haven't changed my mind about that. I said that I will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. I have not changed my mind. I said that your enemies are going to come against you seven, uh, one way and they will flee seven ways. I have not changed my mind. I said that I will give you back everything that the enemy has taken away from you. I have not changed my mind. Numbers, notice with me, 23, 19 says, Does he speak and then not act? 
Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. This is the prophet talking. He has blessed, that being God, and I cannot change it. One of the things that God wants us to know over and over again and be reminded of is that the enemy you and I have in our life, that same enemy that wants to come and kill, steal, and destroy, is a liar, God said, and he is the father of lies. Our enemy is incapable of telling the truth. So whatever it is that he has been speaking into your mind all week long, just for a moment, believe the absolute opposite of what you have been told. And then rejoice in that. Those things the enemy is putting in your head, the, the news that you're hearing, the, 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 the going in further into a pit when it comes to your own emotions, those things are planted to you by the enemy. They're not from God. If any motivation or anything you're deciding to do is fear-based, that fear-based motivation and decision is not of God. The Bible says this uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God did not give you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and watch this, a sound mind. You ever feel like you're losing it? You ever feel like you're losing your mind? The Bible says it. From God comes a sound mind. And then he says, whatever it is you're fearful of, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, the Bible says. So you've got to stay focused on the thing. You've got to know what God said about you and that he has not changed his mind concerning the path he wants you on, concerning the decisions he wants you to make, concerning the emotions of joy and happiness and optimisms he wants you to stay in. All that is the same, and it has never changed, regardless of the virus we're dealing with today. And then finally, you've got to know what God did. You've got to know what he did. The Bible says immediately he reached out his hand, and he caught him. Immediately, there's another rescue. Another rescue in Peter's life. Have you ever experienced God rescuing you in your life? Has there ever been times in your life where you felt like you weren't going to make it, that this season was going to take you out, that this change that you're going through is going to be something that uh, was not going to be good for you in your future and God rescued you? You ever think your life was over and God rescued you and here you are today? Listen, you have to know and remember what God did. And then Jesus said, and I think this is kind of funny, he said, you a little faith, he said. He's talking to Simon Peter. He said, uh, why did you doubt? Well, Lord, just for a second, if Simon Peter didn't give you an answer to that, I, I, I could give you one. When you ask him why he doubted, well, Lord, I could tell you. Things looked really scary to him at that point. He had never experienced anything like this before. This challenge was different than anything that he had ever known. And, and, he was starting to sink, Lord. He was starting to sink. And if anything will cause you maybe to doubt just for a moment, it's that, it's that when you think you're about to lose everything that you've worked so hard for. It's that feeling that what you thought was going to be a little bit security for you in the future uh, may not be there coming to you like you thought it was. Your mind running off, you're experiencing some challenge, you've never seen anything like this before. And God, I know, I know that, you know, we've had some good times in the past and things have looked different in the past, but this feels like a new reality to me. Would you take a look at this on the side screen? Faith is not a denial of our reality. Faith is a consistent belief in God in spite of our reality. 
Peter, you saw me feed all those people just this morning. A lot of those people I fed this morning, which was a miracle, don't even know me. And I fed them anyway. And here you are in the boat with me. Here you are doing life with me. And you think I'm going to let you sink? After everything we've been going through, after everything you and God have, been, have walked through in your life, do you really think you serve a God who's going to let you sink? You see, many times hanging on to our faith, because faith, like I said, can be like a float that floats away, and you've got to tussle with it a little bit. Grab hold of it. I, I don't know if tussle's an actual word, but, but you've got to get a hold of it and pull it in and hang on to it. It tries to slip away. Bring it back in. Listen, many times being able to have that strength and uh, that faith and keep that faith is based on this. A strong faith is tied to a strong memory. Strong faith is tied to a strong memory. What has your Heavenly Father done for you in the past? Has He been preserving you? Protecting you? Has He watched over you? Has He rescued you? Do you think that it's possible He has preserved you to bring you along for such a time as this? Here's why. You've never been loved as much as you've been loved by Him. Nobody else on this planet has ever loved you as much as He loves you now. He's always protected you. He has always provided for you. He has always been with you. So what makes you think He's going to leave you now? Our Father's words over you and your family have not changed as a result of this virus. He cares for you. He's going to bring you through this. You hang on to your faith in Him. And watch. Watch. And feel. And experience. Just how much. You're Jesus. Your provider your protector, your sustainer, your healer, your Emmanuel God with you. Watch and experience how much He cares for you. If my heart could tell a story If my life would sing a song If I have a testimony If I have anything at all No one ever cared for me like Jesus his faithful hand has held me all this way And when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on the earth Let it be known in you alone my joy was found
Let my children tell their children Let this be their memory That all my treasure was in heaven Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. 
And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, please click on the first time link located in the description below the video. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week for our online services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m.